Yeah, if people doubt that innovation is connected to immigration, let me just start naming some names here. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Watt, Bell, Tesla, Einstein. I could go on. <laughs> These are immigrants. Uh, these are the immigrant wave that's funding and running our technological innovation right now and have been since the beginning. Uh, it's, it's who we are, is that we bring in fresh blood constantly. Don't forget Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, I haven't seen a lot of technological innovations. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, else close the wall up with our English dead. It's always such a good and bloody opening to our program. Welcome to the Personal Wealth Coach. This is Jake McClure, and on the air with me, I have... Jeff McClure, who has no English dead to fill up walls with. No, neither of us actually have any English dead to fill up any walls. Seems that that would be even more expensive than lumber got to uh, recently. So I'm not sure why anyone would want to do it. But Henry V was very impressed with his own ability to do it. So um, Harfleur immediately succumbed to that grisly image. Well, this... The idea of having your walls filled up with English dead and them stinking probably was enough to make any city surrender. Yeah. Yeah, I think you don't want your walls filled with English dead. Fine, we're done. Don't fight, please. The, I don't want... By the way, folks... In case you think we're crazy, we well, are. We That's are. That's beside the point. We're, we're quoting from Henry V, uh, Shakespeare. A guy named Will Shakespeare wrote a few years ago. Oh, Read Bill. A relatively popular play that turned into a pretty good movie. More than one pretty good movie. I think there's another one of it coming out very soon, if it hasn't come out already, which is supposed to be quite as good as the Branna version. Anyway, this is the personal wealth coach in which we will talk to you about Shakespeare, occasionally. Sorry, I know. We will try to stay out of Elizabethan English. We'll instead use economic ease, which is just as intelligible to most people. Yes. Right. Uh, so uh, this is Jake McClure. Jeff McClure is with me. We have some disclosures to tell you about, because anytime you start talking about money, if you're not being disclosed, then either you're not being da, regulated da, da, or da, 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 you have da, da. no clothes on to begin with. Yes. Right. So the personal wealth coach is the name of the radio program, but it's also the name of a registered investment advisory firm that's registered with the SEC. Just because it's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that they somehow think that we are angels. There are regulators. They don't give approval for squat. So there is no implied approval by any government agency. How's that for a disclosure? The secretary will deny all knowledge. And will self-destruct this program if they think that we are uh, hinting at any kind of approval. So there. Yes. Uh, you want to take the next disclosure? We uh, we do gain some benefit in that uh, apparently a lot of our clients listen to it and we get an opportunity to communicate with our clients. I don't know if we've gotten a lot of clients from this radio show over the years, but we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, I, just, just to kind of give a side loan, our, our clientele is generally pretty high net worth. And most people that have, you know, $10 million to drop somewhere generally don't make their decision based off of listening to a radio program. It might influence them to some extent, but so there is a little bit 
of that. But the vast, vast reason why we do this is because it brings up the entire community. The more you guys and we know about economics, what's going on in the world, the better decisions we make. And we do actually long-term get clients out of this, people that have listened for years and years. It's a different kind of investment maybe, but that's not why we do it, education. We also have podcasts, by the way, which you can find either by just Googling TPWC podcast or going to your favorite podcast provider. And I bring that up because I just spoke to somebody who potentially might become a client who said that she had a lot of information about us. And I said, where did you get it? She said, I listened to your podcast. So that's cool. She's the one. Yeah. Uh, we actually I told have that's more exactly than what one. I said to yeah. her what i said to her you're the one that's listening to the podcast right and, and we have at least two people listening to this radio program right now. wait no i'm not listening there's Three. only one we do have a studio audience of one at this moment so at any given moment it could be anywhere between one and or three and zero people listening at this moment well, maybe there are some others we do actually have some questions out there but we haven't hit all the disclosures Yes, we have to say that the information we are going to present on this educational program, because it's not investment advice we give on this program, even though that we are the principals of a registered investment advisory firm, what we give is information on this program that is intended to be educational because investment advice is only given individuals based on their specific circumstances. Wait, you have to speak faster and more monotone when you say that. We have to work on this. Well, let me go to the next one. Uh, You've got to use the deem. You're going to hit all of the check marks on this one for sure. I got to, got to, got to, got to do this now. Okay. The information information we present on this radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Warranty or guarantee, accuracy or completeness. So how about that? All right, so what happened in the market this week? It uh, went down. Actually, it stayed pretty much where it was. It's 44 Wall Street is where this, the there was New a York sink, Stock Exchange was. Sinking in real estate as the market dropped precipitously. It's, there was a sinkhole forming in Wall Street. No. It's, actually, the, the stock market did sort of an interesting thing. about It, it actually hit records on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Record and up. Wednesday morning, record, record, up, record highs. Up. Yeah. Record up, record up, record up. And uh, on Wednesday morning, it was crawling towards the 4,400 uh, 4, mark, and everybody was kind of, well, not everybody. All three of us had watched that were kind of holding our breath, saying, is it going to cross 4,400? Because and zeros are important. It's different than 4,399 somehow. Then the labor labor department messed things up. Yeah, shame on they them. They went it's, into labor or something. Yeah. Um, he came stuff. out and said that, that inflation, year over year, one-year inflation was 5.4% according to the Consumer Price Index, which is silly. It was not unexpected, but it made headlines all over the place, and people started selling, and they gradually sold off through Friday so that in the end, the S&P 500 was down 0.98% for the week. I, I have a good study to talk about for exactly what you talked about just now. So but, we'll get to that later. But it printed a whopping 1% below its record close, still up over 15% year to date. The news on Friday, looking back over the week, said it was the weakening, weakening of consumer sentiment, which was announced on Friday by the University of Michigan. So wait, and if that what, was, what you're saying is that the market dropped on Wednesday because on Friday we found out about a weakening of, wait a minute. You got it. The market is pressing it. Didn't you know that? Uh, of course it is. It's, wait, 
What? Wait a minute. The market typically, not every time. I want Headlines to are silly. Every time. The market drop often triggers a recession. I mean, we weren't in a recession or a depression in 1929 in October when the market went nosediving. Right. It's true. So it is It is prescient. It is actually considered a leading indicator. But to Friday. drop on Wednesday for news that hadn't come out until Friday, that's like really a psychic smart. indicator. It is. It works really, really well. Um, so what we're saying is that's not the reason why it dropped. The reason it dropped is because it had a fear fit. Uh, a there's fear a lot fit? of a fear fit. I like that. That's my term. Fear All right, fit. nice. It's got a dash between it. It's got a fear dash fit. It's a kind of fit. Actually, what happens? A hyphenated fear fit. Right. We hit a series of records. We hit a series of record. Matter of fact, we hit like nine days in a row with record closes, and that makes people nervous who are interested in not seeing their money go away. The traders who say this is as high as they say this is as high as it's going to get. I'm going to take some of my money off. Let me find some good excuse to take some of my money out of the market. And so they started looking for something to come along that would give them an excuse other than to say, I just want to take my money out of the market because I'm scared. And so two and days later, good, they go, well, that's the reason why I did it on Wednesday. You got it. Yeah. That's the way most humans make major decisions, by the way. We make the decision based on emotion, and then we come back and justify it with logic. Yes, that is um, backed up by study after study after study. We justify our decisions based on information we didn't have at the time. It's just part of who we are as humans. There's a general fear, and it's echoed through the financial media, and it's echoed certainly in the Wall Street Journal and other print publications, well, print and digital publications, that the Fed will cut off the recovery before it recovers. And they've traditionally done that. Uh, not every time. They didn't do it in 2008 and 9. After the 2008 and 9, after, under Bernanke, they very carefully kept interest rates low for quite a while. They certainly didn't do it in the 1970s at, at almost any point at all. Yeah, but they, they've done it a few times in the past. Yeah. And so there's this this, because it's a feedback loop where traders are afraid of it, they talk to reporters who then report it, which causes more traders to be afraid of it. There's this fear that the Federal Reserve will step up and raise interest rates and cut off their bond buying and strangle the economy before it recovers. Oh, dear. And is that the Fed traditionally, and not every time, but has, has from time to time, raised interest rates too soon as they did in 1937 I think it was mm -hmm. that relaunched re the Great Depression and from time to time the Fed has, has cut off the re recovery from a recession too soon and there's a great deal of fear they're going to do it again because when they when the headline inflation hits 5.4 percent which it did year over year that's scary to people who don't actually look at the numbers they say oh 5.4 percent that's outrageous inflation the Fed is going to have to raise interest rates in fact, Jerome Powell and the guys in the Federal Reserve are not dummies, well, contrary we, to popular belief. I, popular belief is that they're dummies, except that if you sat down and had a conversation with them, you would find that you probably don't understand, uh, well, maybe you understand each individual word, but putting them in a string, a sentence, it's um, hard. It takes scholarly approach to understand what they speak about. I was reading the transcript of Jerome Powell's testimony first to the House of Representatives Committee and then to the Banking Committee. And then well, you know you're weird if you're, if you're doing that. You are reading a transcript of the Federal Reserve Chairman talking to Congress. 
Well, actually, I was reading. That I was far more interested in the in the the questions that the congresspersons were asking the chairman of the Federal Reserve. And yeah, somebody was dumb in that conversation, but it wasn't your own pal. No, no. Actually, actually they weren't dumb. Dumb means unable to speak. They were less than. Uh, you might call them an elected official, which should sum oh. up all of the IQ required. They're sorry, elected, elected officials, if you're reading, but not sorry to. That's not true. There's some smart elected officials. This is why we don't run for office. This is a, the, the, the IQ drainage happens as soon as you get in there. It's not true. I don't know. I, I, I think somebody could write a dissertation on it. They, they might be. They have, might actually get government funding to do it with, which should tell they you probably, that which, <laughs> solves the whole thing there, right there. It is like anyway, a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> I don't know how far, how much of us, how much you didn't get, but the market actually dropped. The S and P five hundred dropped zero point nine eight percent for the week. It's oh. still up fifteen percent year to date, which is really good, and it's about it's about one percent off of its record close. And that made headlines that the Dow dropped and was afraid or something, and the S and P five hundred dropped. But one percent, particularly in the summertime, is pretty mild. That's the understatement of the millennium. Let's see what else happened interestingly in the market. Here's a good question. The CRSP mid cap value index, we follow that one too. It's up sixteen point three percent for the year. It was actually down two point two percent six percent for the week. It went down faster because uh, we're seeing yeah, the big did. big tech revival and the value stocks are are kind of swinging back in the down section. Still doing now better wanna, year over year. I want to talk about weird stocks a little bit at some point, uh, too. I was looking at Starbucks, for example. You know, the stock or like a coffee? The stock. Ah, well, it's, it's a less statistics involved there in the coffee. SPUX, which is, which is one of those stocks that's soaring. It's a big company. It's, uh, it's driving the caffeine. S&P 500 up. Uh, it's a, trading at 140 times next year's earnings wow in other words if they that's going to require 140 i mean if 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 you if we go back to like a, a decent price to earnings ratio of like 15 you're still going to require those that drink starbucks to have about 10 times as much starbucks as they had this year the issue is how many Starbucks can they open and still be this profitable? And the question is, I think they got about as many open as they're going to be able to open. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to break in here with the uh, a, a break in from another version of me. What do you mean? How many Starbucks can I drink at a time? I can drink as many Starbucks as I want. I can do this. It's fine. Okay, there's no problem at all. There, yeah, that is have you my been drinking? my impersonation of what Starbucks requires to be worth what it is worth today. So there's certain sections of the market that are clearly very overpriced. Uh, the fangs are overpriced, which I never can remember. It's Facebook, Apple, Alphabet, you see, Google. It, they, the fang terminology was used at a time when Google was part of it. It's now Alphabet, so there's no G and there's an extra A. It's really, really messing up that cool acronym that people were using. So it's so just it's kind of fa Fa-on. It's a fa-on. But Microsoft ought to be in there someplace, so there ought to be an M in it. For Anumum. Anyway, there's some. There's about five big companies that are that currently have 22 percent of the value of the S and P 500, which, by the way, is a record. Oh, wait and, a minute. Uh, Mana. 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 Microsoft. Mana. Alphabet. Netflix. Apple. Wait, we got to put Facebook in. Manoff. There we go. Manoff, 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 manoff. Yeah. Anyway, we, we, we that's what's... Manoff, manoff. 
There we go. We, we just have to the get them to keep changing their names until we get a cool acronym. Sorry. They are taking off. Well, then, then there's an oddity that only an economics geek could really appreciate going on in the market. And I find it quite fascinating. And I've read articles and articles and articles about it. Really smart people saying in lots and lots of words, we don't know. Yeah, it's fantastic. Theoretically, the reason the market dropped 1% this last week was because of fear of high inflation, fear of what the Federal Reserve would do with high inflation. What the Federal Reserve does if they want to choke off high inflation is raise interest rates. That would mean rationally that bonds should be rising in interest rates because interest rates are going to be higher in the future. And if you're going to buy, for instance, a 10-year Treasury bond, you want to be compensated for all that inflation that supposedly is going to come. Except... Except that the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note fell 5% for the week to 1.294%. It was up as high as 1.75 back in May. It's been falling ever since. And, and, in, a, and in a vacuum that only represented the United States economy, that would make zero sense. And that's why we're hearing all these people write with lots and lots of words that they don't know what's going on here. Except we're not in a vacuum. I don't well, think. Maybe a Dyson. United, I think it could be. A Dyson vacuum? Yeah, it's British, so just to, you've got to have something outside the U.S. to hold a vacuum that includes the U.S., so I would have to say it's a, a Dyson. Well, I, was talking, I thought you were talking about a Dyson sphere. Uh, well, actually, I think it would be Hoover if he's going to be British. True, we could do that. You're talking about hoovering up things. Yes. Anyway, the market is the, the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note has dropped from about 1.75% at the beginning of May to 1.3% today, which is a little odd. If, there, if there's that much fear of inflation. Now, there's some probably some pretty good reasons for that, but basically interest rates, at least temporarily, are going to stay down. One of the biggest reasons, and this is really goofy, that the interest rate has been dropping on the 10-year Treasury is because as of the government is scheduled to run out of money around October 12th. Right. So we're back into those extraordinary procedures that the Treasury is doing. They're not issuing new debt at the moment. What they've got to do, by the way, is get the holdings under the, when the law goes back into effect for the debt ceiling, which does, I think, on August 1st, they have to get their holdings at the Federal Reserve down to $450 billion. Since they started at $1.8 trillion being held at the Federal Reserve, they're trying to spend that rather than issue new 10-year Treasury notes. And so there's a shortage. It's, it's classic supply and demand, I think, is what's creating this combined. Yeah, it's really classic supply and demand. First off, the United States has the only sovereign. Well, first, we had the most secure sovereign security in the world, according to the markets of the world. And other people want to hold it because it pays some interest, which others don't. For instance, the German 10-year bond is still in negative territory. And the 10-year U.S. is paying, even at 1.3%, is still paying something. So you get 1.3% a year for holding it, which is better than nothing. And if a lot and of people are trying to, you're, going to get, you're quite confident you will get your investment back. Yeah, and if, dollars. if we've got people all over the world wishing to loan money, that causes interest rates to drop, and so that's that's the that's how interest rates drop. So all these people are saying, "How is this happening?" You just watch where the money's coming from. So the Fed is instead of issuing ten-year notes, they're taking money from their account at the Federal Reserve to get it down by August first to four hundred and fifty billion, which is going to be quite a stretch for them to do. Yeah, they're going to have to uh, spend a lot of money. Well, Congress well Congress doesn't have a lot of trouble with that. They've you, already spent the money. Actually, the uh, the extended ch the child credit, child care credit. Yeah, the checks start going out. out 
They started going out two days ago on the 15th. July 15th. Money down. Right. They are sending out checks to every family that has kids or in, in their last um, tax return said they weren't above a certain amount of money and income. So you should expect to start either seeing it appear in your bank account or as a debit card. Uh, you might actually get a check. That's kind of unusual these days. Um, that's interesting. So if you have kids and you start receiving this, this is something that we should warn people about anyway. If your income is higher this year and you believe that you would not be getting this credit if you filed your taxes, expect to have a tax bill for the money that you're receiving. Like, just know that that's coming. It's not free money. This is not like a stimulus check. You might have to pay this back if your income is too high. So keep that in mind. And I know a lot of people out there that are sitting, well, if their income's too high, why should they care if they have to pay it back? Because people with high income doesn't mean they have high savings. If they're spending all their money every month, it's going to be a nasty surprise in April of next year that they owe like four or $5,000 back to the IRS that they didn't expect to owe. So just keep it in mind. Check it. See if you're getting money for it and say, do should am I going to have to pay this back? There. I have said my speech. By the way, Chris emailed us and said, just call them fan stocks. Fan? But the, then we would, we, we, or we're not pronouncing all the A's. Ah! Oh! Um, it's, it's much more fun to make There's fun of that. has got to be an M in there someplace, too. Yeah, the Microsoft's know. not even in there. Oh, call them phantom stocks. I see what you did there. It doesn't really matter that there's no F in phantom because we're changing all the letters anyway. I see what you're doing there. I like this. This is like a congressional acronym. It doesn't have to mean anything. I get it. It had nothing to do with making things secure. It made a lot of people insecure. Right, exactly. And if you actually look at the words that made up the word secure, none of them had to do with what the bill was. So, yes, anyway. so it's a congressional, it's the phantom stocks. That's what we're going to call them from now on with a PH. So, so interest rates have been falling and they've been falling since May, which means that bond rates, the bond values have been going up, relatively speaking, from negative positions. But that's kind of weird um, because if you actually look at the typical trading value of bonds that are out five or ten years right now, in many cases, they're trading at a premium, and I don't, think, I don't think a lot of people understand that. A lot of money is flowing into bond funds. Matter of fact, more money is flowing into bond funds right now than flowing into uh, stock funds because people are scared of the high market. But the problem is, if you buy into a bond fund, it's very important to look at the average price of the bond in that fund. And if it's 103, for example, you have a guaranteed 3% loss to maturity. Then you got to look at the average maturity, and if the maturity is just a few years, you've got a 3% loss in a few years guaranteed built into the fund. Um, people just look at the yield. By the way, there's some weird yields out there. Did you know that? Um, I have seen a lot of weird yields. What, what is the weird thing that you're looking at? There are funds that are proclaiming 8% yields. Yep, I have seen that. I wouldn't trust it's, it. but uh, They're TIPS funds. Treasury infl- income, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities Funds, and they're claiming an 8% yield. But when you look at the actual TIPS yield, it's not 8%. And they really aren't yielding 8%. There's just a weird SEC. It's called, an S- it's called the SEC rate, which is composed of 
rates put together under a complex set of rules issued by the SEC that don't apply very well. It looks tremendous, but you should be very, very, very much afraid of those. Anything, anything, by the way, where you get an interest rate higher than you would get in the bank or in a treasury, similar treasury security means that something bad is happening. Yeah. If, For instance, if you, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, what I was going to say is that especially if the thing that you're buying is supposed to be made of the stuff that's not paying as much. Right now, for example, there are still 6% treasury bonds floating around out there. 6%. You could They have a 6% coupon on them. But if you look at the yield to maturity on those same bonds, it's like 1 point something. There's 1.05 or 1.3 or 1.2% in the yield to maturity, which means that the price of the bond is well above its maturity value, and it's going to mature at some point. And... That means historically have had a lot, a lot of fun saying I can get you a U.S. Treasury bond that has a coupon rate that'll pay you six percent. Problem with that is you have to pay extra to get it, which means your yield to maturity is actually negative. But wait, there's one more factor that could lead into this. You'll still have to pay income taxes on the interest that you receive, even though it's principal. There, I like that. Yeah, so I say don't like. No, don't like it all. (laughs) Neither of us like it very much, but. Uh, it's good to know, and and when you hear an interest rate that's too good to be true, it's because guess what? Yeah, you know what I'm going to say, aren't you? You already know it. It's too good to be true. Yeah, right. The one, the other market that we follow pretty carefully is West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, and it dropped five percent to seventy one forty five by the end of the week. It continues to trade over the weekend, so there wasn't a close. But anyway. OPEC reached a, at least a tentative agreement with uh, UAE, the United Arab Emirates, to pump more oil. Or UAE is more... part of OPEC, but they've been having a tiff, a, a familial OPEC spat. A, a tiff at OPEC. Yes. A little spat. Anyway, but not a the other thing that's, special the acquisition other thing company, a spat. That's happening across the board is the dollar is getting stronger, which causes the price of oil to go down, which sounds really weird. But see, we buy oil using dollars and so does everybody the else the, do- the stronger the dollar is versus other currencies the lower the price of oil gets it's weird but our exports are not it hurts our exports by the way the producer price index came in not producer price but the export import import export nut prices came in i thought they were sort of interesting um the account deficit the uh the no not be- that it, not that i'm trying prices. to figure out what export export import export is the import-export prices came in. Ah, gotcha. And the import prices are rising, and that makes headlines because it kind of builds inflation into the system and raises the, pursu- pursu- the producer price index. But our export prices are rising faster than the import prices. In other words, people around the world want our goods and services more than we want theirs, even though we're buying more. So the price on the U.S. goods and services around the world is going up, which is a good thing. It says something about the quality of what we make here in the United States. Do you have a wrap-up for this hour? Well, I want to say that the market dropped about 1% based on fears of it's not actually fears of inflation, but fears that the Federal Reserve would move too soon, despite the fact that Chairman Powell very clearly said for several hours twice during the week that we're not moving too soon, we're not moving anytime soon. The market is at within 1% of its all-time high. We've got about a 15% gain in the S&P 500 this year. The The economy is doing very, very well. We'll talk about that more next hour. It's rocking and rolling along. Jamie Dimon says the consumer is re- ready to buy. 
and is spending money like mad, and he has a better pulse, better finger on the pulse than does the University of Michigan, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we're about out of time for this hour. If you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do management of portfolios and fiduciary advice on a one-on-one basis for people of high net worth, trusts, foundations. If you just have some questions, give us a call off the air because we give fiduciary advice off the air. And the local number for that is? 254-947-1111. That's 254-947-1111. Or toll-free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. Or you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. We've got recordings of the radio program up there going back, podcasts. You can go to your podcast provider, whichever one. Look us up there, TPWC or The Personal Wealth Coach. Um, you can email us directly at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Until next hour, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.